God is real. We all know this. Otherwise, we probably wouldn't be here right now. Uh, Just for a few minutes, I'd like for you to pretend this is your first time ever hearing about God. Uh, I'll present some key facts proving that He is real and how we know He's real. Uh, Genesis 1-1, I mean, we all know what it says. Uh, how did it, but how do we know that it's there? How did, how do we know this is true? Well, uh, looking at just certain things in life, you can look outside and know that all the things out there, they weren't created by just some random explosion, as some people say, or just random things happening. You can take the human body, for example, from all the nerves, the muscles, the bones, you can take how they function together in one motion to do one specific job, and you just can't explain how that just happened from random. And if you flip over with me a few chapters to Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. Uh, we can see that God is talking to Noah about this great flood that's going to be coming on the earth. And... Uh, he gives him instructions on how to prepare for this. He gives him uh, specific instructions on how to build a, an ark, that, a big boat that would save him from this flood. Uh, the flood, he says, is going to come right around chapter 7 and verse 10. And he talks to Noah and he says, And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were on the earth. Now someone can say, how do you prove that this big flood happened? Well, even scientists will have to admit that at one point the entire earth was covered by a body of water. And we know this to be true because they've also dug up fossils of aquatic life that on the mountains. Uh, now that we know there was a flood, how do we know God was involved in this? Well, if there's a flood coming, then how does just one man know about it? Why doesn't everyone know about it? We see that Noah found sight, found grace in God's sight. He was the only one that was told about the flood because he was the only one that was right with God. Uh, Also, how did all the animals gather up together by their own will? I mean, I doubt he also had the time to go around the entire earth and get two of every kind. They came to him, and God had to have an influence on that. We can see other examples in the New Testament. If you'll turn me to Acts chapter 8, verses 1 to 3. Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. We can see that there was this man named Saul, and it says that he was wreaking havoc among the church. And he was actually killing Christians. But if you look over in chapter 9, we can see that Saul turns into... A new man, he changes his ways. He uh, is on the road to Damascus to actually persecute more Christians. And we see this light come down. And it was so bright that it blinded him for a couple of days. And he was afraid to eat. He didn't even eat for three days. Um, If that wasn't God, then what could it have been? I mean, you just don't see a light come down nowadays and it blinds somebody for three days. Uh, Also, if it was just, you know, the sun or something, then how did it scare him enough to make him turn a complete 180 in his life? I mean, he went from killing Christians 
persecuting them, doing anything he could to cause havoc among the church, to actually preaching and trying to save people. Uh, this was God's handiwork. Uh, he did many things in trying to help the church after he converted, even was tortured and you know, went through all these trials. And he wasn't just the only one to do this. Uh, if you look at how all 12 of the apostles died, and I have a, a list of it right here, all of them died from deaths that they were not not something you'd want to go through. As you look at James, the brother of John, was executed by King Agrippa with a sword. Philip was tortured and crucified. Uh, James the less was cast down from the temple, then beaten to death with clubs. Peter was crucified upside down. Matthew was beheaded. Andrew was crucified. Thomas was thrust with a spear, burned with red hot plates, and burned alive. Bartholomew was flayed and then crucified. Thaddeus was beaten to death with sticks. Simon was crucified. John died of natural causes, which uh, some people think that he was he was actually burned with tar and he actually died from his injuries of this. Uh, Matthias was stoned while hanging on a cross and Paul was beheaded. Now, why would anybody go through all of that being tortured for something they know that wasn't true? I mean, if you knew God was not real, why would you go through all that trouble? Why would you die for something you didn't believe in? They all knew that God was real, and they all died for a purpose. Uh, perhaps the, the best example is in John's account of Jesus. Uh, if you turn with me to John chapter 9, 19, verses 1. If you look from verse 1 all the way to verse 35, you can see how Jesus was he was tortured and killed on the cross. And if God wasn't real, then how did he rise? I mean, people that die today, you don't see them walking around just fine. Uh, God had an influence to where he resurrected Jesus. And to show people an example is that's how... You can be resurrected in the next life. When you die, you have that option of going to heaven. You can be resurrected. And we know he was resurrected by a few facts. The tomb was found empty, and no one could explain where the body was. I mean, it's like it just disappeared. And then Mary Magdalene, the apostles, and many others saw him days after his death walking around and talking. We can see this in chapter 20 and verse 30. If you'll turn with me there. And true, truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. They may not be written in this book, but there's other accounts to where he gives different sides of this. We know that Doubting Thomas, he, uh, he talked with Jesus after his death, and he felt uh, the scars on his hands and the side where he had been cut. And we know that uh, he also had... Uh, breakfast with the apostles to where uh, he talked with Peter. Uh, I can give tons more examples to you throughout the Bible, but what's really going to hit home, uh, the best example is yourself. Why are you here tonight? I mean, if you didn't think God was real, then I don't think you would be here. We all know God is real because we come here to worship Him. We sing praises to Him. We read about His teachings and we try to become closer to Him. 
Uh, we gather here on Sunday mornings and we break the bread and drink the cup because he died for us to save us. We're all here for one reason, and that's to worship what we know to be true, that God is real. Colossians 4, 1 through 4. Colossians 4, 1 through 4. Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. With all, praying for us also that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. As Tyler just read to us and uh, um, told us about how God is real, I'm going to explain why God is important to know God and how God can be known. And as Tyler said, in today's world, it's very hard to know God with the teachings of Jesus not in school anymore and all that. But have you, if you've ever seen how a starry sky at night or studied a beehive, how, do you, how can you say all, all that functions the way it does without there being a God? If you turn with me now to Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. And it reads, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And in this verse, it talks about how God's creation is clearly seen all around us. That there are those who have heard the gospel and those who have not heard the gospel. And it is our goal to spread the gospel about God. And we read in Matthew chapter 19, in verses 16 through 22, about the rich young ruler who heard the teachings of Jesus but did not want to obey them and how he went away sorrowful and in Acts chapter 8 there's a story of the Ethiopian eunuch and how he whenever he heard the teachings of Jesus he was baptized and went away rejoicing but why is it important to know God and understand his word in John chapter 17 verse verse 3 he reads, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And in this, in this verse, it says that, that, that we who know the true and living God will have life eternal with Christ. And each, each person is responsible for their own choices and their own reactions. And those who have heard the gospel need to teach others about it. So as we go back to school and go back to work, tomorrow morning we need to spread the gospel and let others let others know that we know about God and so that they can know about God and I'll finish up with Jeremiah chapter 9 verses 23 and 24 thus said the Lord let not man not not let not the wise man glory in his wisdom neither let the mighty man glory in his might let not the rich man glory in his riches but let him that glorieth in this that he might understandeth and knoweth me that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, 
judgment, righteousness in the earth, for in these are the lot, saith the Lord. I'll be reading from Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord our, your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of heights? Maybe you're, uh, maybe you're afraid of being in closed spaces. Uh, what about, are you afraid of the dark? When I was a kid, I used to be afraid of the dark. Uh, maybe you're afraid of spiders or snakes. I don't like messing with those. Are you afraid of doing God's will? Are you afraid of doing uh, what God has commanded us to do? Are you afraid to talk to a co-worker, to a family member, to a friend? Or even, are you afraid to talk to a Christian who may have fallen off on the wayside? Are you afraid to do this because you're scared of what they may say to you, what they may think about you, and maybe what, they, what they may say to others? Is that what you're afraid of? As Jack just read, read back with me on Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. And it says, Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. In Deuteronomy, we say we shouldn't be afraid at all. In fact, we should be strong and courageous. Why? Because God is with us, and he will not fail us, and he will not forsake us. But continue on with me to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14. And it says, But and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are you. Be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. As we see in this verse, it doesn't matter what people think or say. If we, if we serve God in a righteous way, and we do everything that he asks us and do what he commands us, it shouldn't matter. We serve God regardless with what, whatever the world says. We do, we do his will. But maybe, maybe, you have, it's, maybe you have motivational issue. It's a motivational issue for you. Maybe you feel like you can't. You can't do this, or you can't do that, or I can't speak to her, or I can't speak to him. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. It's a very common known verse. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If you were to tell me four years ago, my freshman year in high school, that I would be standing up here preaching and teaching in front of 200 plus people, I would have never believed you. Well... There's a lot of people out in this world tonight, and there's a lot of people in this audience tonight, if you told them five or ten years ago that they'd be diligent servants of God, they wouldn't have believed you. See, with God, you can do amazing things. And with God, you can change, you can make life-altering changes that you don't even think that are imaginable at this point in time. So what are you afraid of? If you're not, if you're not saved, are you afraid to come down this aisle tonight? Are you afraid... 
to come up here and commit your life to Christ? Are you afraid that you won't be able to live a perfect life? Well, I've got news for you. No one can live a perfect life. There's one man that has ever walked this earth that has ever lived a perfect life, and that is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. If you look at Romans 3, verse 23, it says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us are perfect. So what are you afraid of? Maybe you're a Christian. Maybe you're a Christian that's fallen off on a, way, on a wayward path. What are you afraid of? Are you afraid to turn back to the Christianity and abandon the worldly things that you've returned to? Is that what you're afraid of? We should never, ever, 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 ever be afraid to do what God has commanded us to do. It doesn't mean we won't be scared. It just means we will have the courage to do it. Have some courage to not as we stand and as we sing.